name of this piece is called My Bitch Better Have My Money. My bitch better have my money. Through rain, sleet, or snow. It was a Shakespeare. My hoe better have my money. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Tell it. Not half, not some, but all my cash. Because if she don't, I'm gonna put my foot dead in her ass. People are always saying about the talk and I talk and I talk and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, bro. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really? I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to episode 160 of the Wocast. Joining me, as always, she says what she means and means what she says. It's G from Boy TV. That is correct. I say what I want to say at all times. How are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm good. I'm full to busting, actually, because this weekend, man, did we have some fight cards. Man, were we overfed. I'm feeling like, you know, I've had the feast of all feasts, really. Right. We, we are gluttonous with MMA at the moment. That's, that's how I would describe it. It was overload, oversaturation, and a whole shit ton of fun. I'm, I'm ready to talk. <laughs> you know, not only did we have um, three days worth of mixed martial arts. Actually, no, it was two days worth. Mm -hmm. But um, two Bellator cards and UFC and... We had Tyson Fury versus my man Wilder. Yeah. My man <laughs> Wilder. Well, put it this way, Ooh. you know, to kick things off and to get us in the mood mm -hmm. to talk about Fury Wilder, um, it's only right that we start with Zanga Mulata. To say this weekend of combat sports was a stacked one would be a massive, massive understatement. Not only were five fans able to take in Bellator Dublin and UFC Auckland, they also got to feast their eyes on the most anticipated heavyweight title fight since Lennox Lewis took on Mike Tyson all the way back in 2002. That fight, of course, was the eagerly anticipated WBC title rematch between the bronze bomber Deontay Wilder and Britain's own the Gypsy King, Mr. Tyson Fury. The fight was a rematch of the 2018 Classic, which was controversially scored a split draw and had the eyes in the entire combat sports world fixed on the historic MGM Grand Garden Arena to see if Tyson Fury could become a two-time heavyweight champion. And boy, oh boy, did the fight deliver. The Gypsy King produced arguably the best performance in recent British boxing history to end Wilder's five-year reign as WBC heavyweight king. Fury put on an absolute masterful performance from the outset that eventually led Wilder's corner to sensibly throw in the towel in the seventh round. Though you can make the argument, and I did on Twitter all night long, that the fight should have been stopped earlier. Fury's herky-jerky movement and feints proved to be too much for Wilder to compute and led to him repeatedly eating big overhand rights, which are of course his staple and how he's picked up the majority of his wins. In truth, the writing was pretty much on the wall from the second round when Fury scored the first knockdown and was, was so even more so when Wilder suffered what appeared to be a burst eardrum, which left his legs looking like Bambi on ice. Now, unsurprisingly, 
attention is turned to what's going to be next for Fury, whether it's going to be a trilogy fight with Deontay Wilder or whether it'll be the big one, the one that all British boxing fans want. That, of course, being a unification fight with a certain Mr. Anthony Joshua. That, of course, is the fight that diehard and casual boxing fans across the world are pining for. Although, for me, I don't foresee that fight coming to fruition anytime soon. Unfortunately, for those all keen to see it, and I would have my name quite high up on the list, that fight it realistically isn't going to take place until 2021 at the earliest. Now, as has been as is common knowledge, Deontay Wilder has a trilogy fight clause in the contract that he signed to rematch Fury, and he'll likely exercise that in the coming days. Of course, he has, I do believe, 30 days to exercise that rematch clause. So I wouldn't be surprised within the next few days or so that that rematch clause gets exercised and they start making plans for the third fight, which in truth, because Fury obviously won this fight and one can make an argument that he won the first one definitively should take place in the UK. Now, when you're factoring in the timescale for a possible unification fight with between Joshua and Fury, you also have to factor in the mandatory defenses Joshua has for his WBA and WBO titles, which will even further delay a clash with, with Fury, which is sickening for me. Because nowadays, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry, guys, uh, I've completely forgot that. Nowadays, the commissions, not the commissions, the governing bodies should be prioritizing undisputed title fights because that's what we want to see. We want to have, to quote Mr. Bronze Bowman Deontay Wilder, we want to have one name, one ruler of the heavyweight division. The only way that this fight could come to fruition is if Wilder opts not to take the rematch and both Fury and Joshua's respective representatives reach out to all the governing bodies to ask them to prioritize an undisputed title fight, which, as I just said, should be the case. Sadly, I don't foresee while they're not pursuing revenge against Mr. Tyson Fury, and I, nor do I see the WBA, the WBO, the WBC, the IBF and the IBO playing ball. And yes, I list them all out there just to show you how many damn governing bodies there are. We guys in MMA have it so, so much easier with just individual organizations. So it's going to take a while for this fight to come for fruition with all those different parties having a vested interest in this. Okay, guys, that's all from me. Chisang Gamalaya from the Daily Star and Daily Express. I'll speak to you guys soon. Take care and enjoy the rest of your week. I liked where uh, Chisanga was coming from. I, I like the fact that he hit on the main talking points. For me, looking at that fight though, um, it was quite clear from the get-go that Tyson was really there not to make friends. I just like the glaring you know, ways in which he was kind of like connecting eyeballs with him just before he went back to his corner. You could tell at each and every round he knew he was closing in on him and especially you know i forget which round it was it was very early in the fight where he actually popped his eardrum that equilibrium oh, yeah. actually throwing him off was i would say one of the keys to victory not only you know did it throw him off in terms of trying to place his feet on the canvas because can you imagine your equilibrium being that thrown because you know you've got an exploded uh, eardrum um but as well as that um his relentless come forward style the way in which he like he was picking him off the body shots and they man they looked brutal one of them actually felled him you could tell tyson was in there he meant business 
oh, um, his performance was absolutely that. Like, I mean business. I mean, from the body shots to, I mean, he floored him. I mean, he got him, he won in the seventh round, I believe. But before then, he had dropped him in a previous round, which was just shocking. You know, and let's not forget who we know as 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 Dante Wilder. Like he's he's a bit of an enigma here. He has that raw power. He's scary. He lives up to to his act. He's he drops people like it looks like they have died when he when he knocks people out. And here comes Tyson Fury mm-hmm. to remind him that I am the better technical boxer. And I think that's what we saw: someone that can cut angles, has the footwork, can pick his shots, and then plant his feet and have some power behind them. Is just basically what we saw. He has more than one tool to get the job done. Unlike Deontay Wilder, whose one tool was fascinating and very dangerous. It was raw power. But Tyson mm-hmm. Fury proved that you have to be well rounded and he puts it together well and I think that's what we saw I think the fact of the matter is a lot of people including myself Mm -hmm. you know I use this and you probably noticed as well I trot out this a lot of people have said a lot of people um, have commented what I mean is me this is what I think Mm -hmm. basically a lot of people and including myself have actually you know looked at the fact that he is well a boxer and what I mean by that he'll come in there to win on points when he comes up against big opponents yeah. big opponents like Klitschko big opponents like you know Deontay Wilder mm-hmm. the fact is that is what I thought that we were going to be seeing this time around nope he knew that he had to win and win in emphatic fashion correct and take it to him he did and win in emphatic fashion I don't know about you Mm -hmm. I I, want to I know you know questions are usually saved till last and you know towards the end of the show but I want to ask you do you think his corner was right to throw in the towel given how many times he was being peppered given that you know he was clearly having an issue there with his ear given the fact that you know it was really for where I was sitting, a one-sided beatdown. Don't get me wrong, Dante Wilder was coming in with um, a few combinations and it was clear that he was relying on his raw power. Yes. But it was clear from the get-go who was actually dominating that fight. So I'll put it to you. Do you think his corner was right to actually throw in the towel? Yeah, I think the fight could have been stopped before the towel was thrown in. I agree with you, Mike. Mm. I think that... Um, you know, uh, Wilder was being battered for most of the rounds and that there was a clear, decisive winner before the towel was even thrown in. It was Tyson Fury. And you have to remember that at that moment, you need to look out for the fighter's health and best interest. And I had no problem yeah. with them stopping the fight before the seven-round TKO on the towel throwing because of the busted eardrum, the um, his equilibrium clearly being off. He didn't have the, the power of his legs or even the stability of them anymore. He even looked mm. wobbly when he walked over to his corner and was like, well, who called? He yep. didn't even know who called over the fight. He looked... He looked pretty out of place and and hurt, and Tyson was giving him the blues. I see nothing wrong with protecting the fighter and stopping the corner, and I I actually commend them for it, and it could have been stopped sooner, to answer your question. I don't know whose idea it was to actually throw in the towel, but, you know, my personal take on it, I think it was definitely the right call because it was clear he was being busted up. And like I say, that busted eardrum... Um, that was clearly throwing off his balance, his equilibrium. It was clearly oh, you could see it. Um, throwing off his game plan as well. Absolutely. And I think that's why people stop fights. I mean, how do you win with a busted eardrum and your equilibrium off? And you're, and quite possibly on top of a busted eardrum, let's not forget that fighters return to their corners and continue to fight with concussions. 
So you have to call off the fight. But I will say this. In defeat, I became an even bigger fan of Wilder. He was confused. He did not want to stop the fight. He also, even though he had questions for his corner, he didn't have a temper tantrum. There was no scene. There was no unprofessionalism on his part. In the post-fight interview, he said the better man won. Yes, his equilibrium was was messed up due to the eardrum. And he took Mm. the L like a man. And and even with him being upset that the corner stopped the fight, he still admitted that the better fighter won and that he would be back and even better. That is how you take an L. And I'm it made so me an from, even bigger fan of his. So from where you're saying, obviously, you know, being, you know, um, from the States, being and <laughs> the fact that you're repping Team America, mm. do you want to see a rematch? Or can our homegrown Anthony Joshua, who's been waiting quietly in the wings with his other belts, is it his turn to actually you know, step up and take on Tyson Fury. Where do you see things going? I agree with Chisanga. I, I, I think I'm, I'm with you all. Consider me from the UK. I want to see who's the better fighter, Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Yep. Because yep. I think that um, although Dante Wilder had a hell of a run and he showed us why he's so powerful, he still, he still got a lot to learn. And I would like to see Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury, but I'm not a big boxing connoisseur, so... So I don't know how um, valid my opinion really is, Mike, but I did tend to notice that boxing loves to run rematches. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, Dante uses like his rematch clause, if he even in fact has that, like, you know, Chisanga mentioned. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again. And I'll, I'll watch the third bout, but I'm ready to move on from it. There's no way that we'll get even a sniff of... Tyson versus AJ because of the fact that you could see you know the the relentless um, way in which you know I think Wilder was stating his case and that was look I want to go out on my shield you robbed me of this so he's looking to actually rectify where he felt that you know he um, wasn't given that opportunity to go out on his shield but not only that he is going to exercise his right considering it was actually written into his contract Ah, and I think as well um, AJ has a mandatory and I think his mandatory is against Pulev I can't be sure because like yourself I'm not a boxing aficionado more like a a fan it's not something that I report on um, consistently but I would be very shocked and surprised if we do see AJ versus Tyson anytime soon and that would that just sucks and that's why boxing kind of gets on my nerves I feel like UFC can be hanky-panky with matchups too Mm. but they do spoil Mm. us and sometimes give us these dream matchups when they're supposed to be to be happening you know so boxing can be so frustrating when it comes to like can we see that again or can we see the best fighters in their prime and not 30 years later like Floyd and, and Pacquiao you know, so we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. But if there is a trilogy, I will watch it again. Perhaps, um, you know, Dante um, goes back and he, he works on a few things and surprises us. So you never you never know. <laughs> now, I know we did have a Bellator card on Friday. Oh and um, because we've got so much to run through, I just want to quickly mention um, Denise Kielholz. For that um, only reason... Being that, you know, I thought her submission, her submission victory was incredibly impressive. Considering, you know, she's renowned for her stand-up. Yeah, she has got submissions, um, well, to her repertoire and mm. on her record. But it was just great to see her, you know, back in action. And, um, well, great to see her getting that win, especially by submission. Yeah, it was nice to see her 
control the distance. That's like the theme of these fights, and we'll get into that later. But it was nice of Denise to see her control the distance because her opponent, I believe, went for like some spinning back kick. And I love how Denise kind of leaned back instead of taking several steps back. And yeah, a le- because of her leaning back, she was able to level change so easily. And that takes a very smart fighter to do that. And again, I'll repeat, it's real subtle. But Denise Keyholtz leans back and t- instead of taking several steps back in the middle of that kick being thrown at her, which is why she was able to hit that takedown and then take her to the ground and submit her. It was a beautiful sequence. I suggest everyone think about what I said and watch it and you'll see how great it was. And kudos to her. That was really, really smart. It shows improvement, hmm. too, in her game. She gets better and better each fight. It's unreal. Oh, for sure. Now, moving to the next day, Bellator Dublin. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, um, you know, it was kind of a bittersweet moment. Bittersweet in that that card was hellishly long. There were so many um, items in terms of uh, processing that I'm just going to stick to the two standout moments for me mm-hmm. on that card. Now, you know, I know we've been over this time and time again, but from your perspective, considering that, you know, you had to jump from platform to platform, as did I, mm-hmm. um, how was your Bellator experience this time around? It was a disaster. And I will admit to oh, the, wow. Yeah, I will admit to you and our listeners that I didn't catch a lick of Bellator Dublin. I had to wake up the mm. next day and read and watch like highlights and whatnot and desperately try to catch up. And it, I'm actually pretty frustrated because I actually went to watch it. And I noticed that some people on my timeline, I guess folks that were in Europe, were able to watch this fight. And then for me, I had a tape delay and they showed yesterday's fight instead. That, you know, I, it was what? Yeah, it was nuts. I, I, I was just frustrated knowing that half the planet was getting Bellator Dublin live. And for some reason where I am in New York, I'm getting tape delay and old fights. I was lit. You know what I did? I said, take care, Bellator. I'll catch up wow. to you when I can. You lost a viewer here for the night. And I'll go back to the UFC and just keep watching those fights because they're on real time. And I'm sure several other folks had the same issue. And that's just what the reality of the situation is. If you don't make it easy for people to watch these fights, we're not going to watch them and we'll read about them the next day. You see, I'm guessing, and I, or I should rephrase that, I'm hoping that mm-hmm. given, you know, in the past, Bellator have a knack of actually listening to people, have a knack of actually acting on what people say, have a knack of actually trying to perfect their um, offering. I've got a feeling that them now, you know, having signed a new, um, well, albeit a, a, a new deal, as it were, with Paramount now they're with. Now, the, the fact of the matter is this. I feel that the changes are going to be coming and changes are going to be coming very, very fast. I hope so, because I was super excited for both fights. And also, too, Bellator needs to be careful with, like, oversaturation of fights as well. What's up with, like, these doubleheaders, Friday and then Saturday? It's hard to even keep up for podcasting. It's hard to keep up as as a fan. It's just, like... Out of nowhere, they hit you with this oversaturation of fights and fight cards. And I'm getting, I'm confusing the fight cards. I can't even hashtag them correctly. I don't know if it's Dublin or 240. And then you get fight news about UFC 241. You know, like um, someone just failed some, um, Josh Barnett failed PEDS test, and that's Bellator 241. And it's like, you're getting, I'm getting all three of them mixed up. So I just wish they would slow their roll, kind of simplify things, and allow more people to to 
view these fights. And it's not even now it's getting to the point. I don't care that you're splitting up the platforms, mm. but the whole tape delays and the double headers are killing me personally. Now, you know, sticking, as I say, with Bellator Dublin, um, mm-hmm. the card was pretty deep. And, you know, there were some standout moments. For me, um, Oliver Enkamp's um, spinning back fist, it was actually a spinning elbow um, which caught mm. um, Lou Long. But that was a spectacular KO. And uh, it seems mm-hmm. like Oliver Enkamp, you know, a UFC vet, as it were, is on a nice little run, nice little roll. Um, over at Bellator and I really am looking forward to seeing him um, I think he told Jake um, from Wo TV who was on the scene and doing some sterling work in terms of delivering not just the yes, pre-fight interviews but the post-fight interviews too um, I think uh-huh. he told Jake that he was looking forward to competing on the London card so I'm really looking forward to seeing him there but oh, that's nice. you know in terms of the standouts or in terms of those which really made me you know, um, sit up and take note. I would say Ricky Bandeas and uh, Franz Malambo was yes, an incredible fight. I would say um, he has now notched up another win. Now the fact that he has beaten um, Franz Malambo, Ricky Bandeas is the SBG hunter. The way in which, you know, he'd actually caught Malambo's leg and was just relentlessly pummeling him um, with that hook until, you know, it was almost as though he was, it looked as though he was knocked out on the feet because, you know, Malamba landed like face first down on the canvas and then took like a succession of blows. I saw your meme, by the way, and you, you know, couldn't have put it, you know, more succinctly. And uh, although there was a jovial manner, obviously, to that whole post, you called it exactly right. It was like a barrage of of punches from the sky. punches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's so funny. It was easy to poke fun at it. But Mm. but when you think about it, it really just was a bunch of hooks in such a tight space. You know what I mean? That's all it was. He... um, you know, he caught Ricky's leg, Franz, but then Ricky responded by just dropping all these short hooks directly to his chin in rapid cessation, yeah. which caused, you are 100% correct, Mike, Franz fell face first mm. holding the leg. Mm. And then Ricky followed up with these almost like cat-like, you know, like these follow-up punches that almost look windmill-like because it was just so, he was so desperate, he wanted to stop that fight and just deliver as many blows as he could. And it's a freakish sequence, but, I mean, man, it was effective, and I'm totally fine with the stoppage. I know when Franz got up, he seemed confused, but it was like, buddy, you were out on your feet, yeah. out on the floor, and taking a whole bunch of unanswered shots. The fight needed to be called. I, you know? I, I could be wrong here, but I always find the instinctive scrambling after you've been what looks like a knockout when you fall face down or when you fall mm-hmm. uh, what seems to be unconscious on the canvas, and then you're scrambling almost instinctively right. for the referee's leg. I always look at that as the warning sign to say yep that was definitely the right time that to was stop a good that. call yeah yes yeah it's indicative to like you were so knocked out that by the time you got up you, you look confused. good and crazy mm. yeah you're confused you're reaching for a limb or you're literally asking the referee what happened yeah what happened was that you you were sleeping because of you you're knocked out so that's why you're so confused and it and it's just what you said it validates the the fight stoppage and I was fine with it I see no I don't see too many complaints but Franz did look to be upset by it it's I, I know um you know as a media outlet it was supposed to be um mm-hmm. supposedly unbiased but you know it 
it did pain me to watch that because having seen the run that you know Franz had actually put together having had him on the show and you know him yeah. being such a personable and charming chap you know it was painful to watch him go out like that but you know speaking independently it was definitely the right call Oh, yeah. Yeah. No bias here, even if, you know, he was on the show. And just like you said, I'm going to piggyback what you said. Mm. Just an utter gentleman and, and on a killer's row as well. You know, successful in the octagon, making his way up. And then you get him on the show and he's nothing but a standout act. So it does suck to see him go down like that. But you're 100 percent correct, Mike. The, the stoppage was just fine. It was the right thing to do. And Franz will always come back from this. He'll learn. He'll watch footage and, you know, he'll come back even stronger. Now, the only, um, again, I'm trying to, uh, for brevity, quickly canter through the Bellator doubling card. But the only other, I think, um, talking point from where I was sat was actually broadcast live on Channel 5. And like I say, that is a pretty big deal considering, you know, that being terrestrial TV, that being in front of so many eyes. And um, for me, I, I really do feel that, you know, Aaron Chalmers, um, unfortunately, did pick up yet another loss, but should feel, should feel, I, 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 from where I'm sat, should feel confident in um, returning and returning pretty quickly because from where I was sat, it looked as though, I think Mm -hmm. it's Austin Clem, um, wasn't actually doing much when he was on the ground. He was holding him, um, quite I, I would say well he'd, he'd locked him in place when you know he'd actually got him to the ground but the main thing is this he definitely didn't want any part of Aaron Chalmers' stand-up you know he took a couple of hooks and I think um, at least uh, a couple of jabs to the face and after feeling you know Aaron's power decided to embark upon his strategy of taking him down and we knew that's where it was going because I think he intimated in a couple of interviews before and in the lead up to the fight that, you know, once it got to the ground, it was going to be over for um, Aaron Chalmers. So I really hope that, you know, it doesn't keep Aaron down too long. I really hope he dusts himself off and does appear very, very quickly on, say, something like the London card, because, you know, he shouldn't be ashamed of that that loss. It wasn't as though there was any embarrassment there. It wasn't as though he wasn't trying to win. I mean, he was even trying to um, secure a submission at one point when he was on his back. I think he was trying to throw up a triangle. But, you know, I think what um, Clem actually came to do, um, he executed, and that was to take him down to the ground, try and stifling him out there and try and suffocate him in terms of um, a blanketing style which nullified anything that um, Aaron Chalmers was trying to do and um, you know fair play to him he has now um, put himself firmly in the eyes of Scott Coker who you know I feel will probably reward him with a contract given you know for many people actually um, looking at Aaron Chalmers I think we all view him in the same way and that is you know he is um, well one of um, Bellator Europe's biggest asset so to have defeated um, someone of that stature you know you know does actually yeah, warrant a, a contract deal. I feel yeah absolutely do you think that Aaron needs to work on his uh, you know takedown defense and grappling because we do talk a lot about how you know the the British the Scots and you know basically all of Europe is kind of getting better or catching up with the wrestling what do you think of this though <laughs> 
he definitely being that he lost due to the grappling department. It sounds like because you keep mentioning a blanketed approach. Yeah. And mind you, I missed this fight, listeners and Mike, because of the you know the Bellator debacle. So I've got some questions myself. But go ahead, Mike. You, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are holes in his game. We have to keep remembering though that you know he's come from a stand-up background, having trained at Tiger Muay Thai, having come from you know oh, Muay Thai absolutely. background. Um, he's very very late in the ground in the game in terms of um, working on his ground game but for somebody who has actually entered that late I think he defended himself admirably considering that you know for at least a portion of when Aaron was on the ground you know Clem was actually landing some serious elbows and um, you know I think admirably admirably defended at um, I would say 80% of the time um, on the ground by Aaron Chalmers so yes you're right he does actually have some holes in terms of his ground game his ground game and in terms of his takedown defense but you know an admirable performance nonetheless and an admirable performance which makes me want to see him again oh good Good. I'll have to catch that on some type of replay. I have to look it up and whatnot. I'm intrigued. But, um, you know, I wish him the best as well. And I hope he continues to use his platform to discuss mental you know, health advocacy. I know we discussed that last episode. But, you know, I am disappointed to hear that he lost. I was rooting for my man. But, you know, like some Fridays you got to take you win some, you lose some. And when you lose some, hopefully you learn from it. Oh, so. definitely. Well, I'm glad yeah. to a certain extent, though, that, you know, his Twitter account is run by his agent um, stroke manager and I'm glad that it is because I'm not sure if you noticed but trending um, after the fight were the words Aaron Chalmers and let's just put it this way the the hashtag be kind couldn't be more relevant couldn't be more poignant right now because there are some real shitty people out there who basically used his loss as a way to you know practically dump on his career, on his achievements. And a lot of these people, obviously you and I know um, the ilk, they are sitting in their mum's basement with, you know, not even a fraction um, of the achievements that Aaron Chalmers has actually got underneath his belt. So, you know, that was a sad aspect um, of seeing that. But I'm glad to a certain extent, considering, you know, Aaron is coming from a a background where, you know, he has suffered with anxiety. He has, has, um, you know, battled with mental illness that this isn't something that he'll be soaking up that he'll be seeing and be subjected to as well yeah good for him and i hopefully he ignores the trolls like you and i do because they're they're inevitable you cannot it's it's human nature it's who we are as a people and a society there's just some people that are bottom of the barrel and unfortunately a lot of them are online hiding behind fake profile pics attacking fighters attacking fellow fight fans and being obnoxious and creating new accounts and whatnot so we all know how to deal with them and the best thing to do even for aaron chalmer a fighter or a celebrity is to ignore them give them no shine Mm. Speaking of no shine, I think it's time that we give some shine to our man, Kairos. Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be one of those days, okay? I'm just going to point out these facts, and if you disagree with facts, you're goddamn wrong because they're facts. Here we go. Robert Whitaker wins the middleweight title, has to sit out a year because of injuries to defend it. 
Then he defends it, has to sit out another year before he can defend it once more. In the meantime, challengers and contenders are stacking up by the minute. No one says a damn thing. It's okay because we love Robert Whittaker so much, right? Okay, fine. Conor McGregor wins two divisional championships. Never! Never defends either one of them. Has both divisions seeping back with competition and competitors because of his lack of activity outside of the octagon. Yes, you got to box Floyd. Guess what, though? 145 and 155 are in shambles because of what you pulled. At one point, there are three people claiming for that 155 title because of you. You had Tony, Dustin, and Habib, all champions, trying to figure out who was the best out of the three of them. We still haven't gotten to see Tony versus Habib because of shenanigans like that. People fighting outside the octagon, holding on to belts, and not being active. But guess what? Nobody says anything. Henry Cejudo, been MIA for I don't know how long. We don't know if he's ever coming back. We're just going to skip past that because you know dang well I'm about to go off on him for his inactivity too. But yet again, you fans are silent. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It gets better. The joke gets better. The punchline is coming. I promise. Tyron Woodley fights, defends the title five times in two years. The only times where he wasn't defending it is because he was coming off of surgeries, documented surgeries. Guess what? He never wants to fight. He's an inactive bad champion. Strip him. We're sick of Woodley. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Moving on. Kamaru Usman fights, wins the title, nine months later, defends it again. We're coming into February. This guy never likes to fight. Oh my God. Get him out of here. And wait, wait, wait. I'm going to just stop you right there. I know what you think. Kairos, it's not about race. Yeah, you're right. It's not about race. It's about consistency, dumbass. Stipe Miocic wins the title, defends it three times, gets KO'd by DC, sits out an entire year crying about how he deserves an instant rematch because he defended his belt three times. Okay, fine. You get a whole year to sit out and then you get your rematch. You defeat Daniel Cormier and guess what? My eye hurts. I do not want to defend the title right now because I might not be able to fight again. Guess what? Last night, you just tweeted that you want to fight Tyson Fury in a boxing match. Enough. Stop letting fighters who are champions fight for super fights when they haven't even defended their belt three times. Three is the magic number. And dang sure stop letting them fight outside of our sport. Guess what? Stipe, your boxing's not even that good for MMA. In your last two fights, you got outboxed for every single round except for the round that you finished DC in. Also, you got outboxed by Stefan Struve. Uh, must I say more? And I'm not saying his boxing's bad. I'm just saying it's not good enough for him to compete with world championship boxers. Come on. Can we really argue that right now? How on earth are you going to go into boxing and beat actual boxers? We just saw Deontay Wilder get clapped and he has the most power we've ever seen. Ganu, same story for you. You got embarrassed by Stipe in MMA. So what's going to happen in boxing? Okay, great. Great. You get into there. You get worked. And now our sport continues to look bad because we got so many people who talk all this trash about wanting to compete in other sports, and then we get there and get worked every single time. Either relinquish the title or stop talking about super fights and title fights unless you don't have the belt. I'm sick of it. Imagine if Conor McGregor never took the 155-pound title. We would have seen Tony versus Habib probably twice by now. Sure, they would have pulled out for a fifth time, but the sixth time we would have got it right. Simple plan, we'd have been seeing that fight. I'm sick and tired of people climbing up multiple divisions, holding up multiple weight classes because they want to have two belts. Guess what? relinquish the belt then go fight for another title because it's not like you're consistently defending them the only person who's consistently defending them is amanda and she's not even consistently defending a 145 pound division because there's only one fighter in the division other than herself 
For real, though. This is getting ridiculous. Stop trying to defend these people for winning multiple belts. But then when somebody else wants a title fight or anybody else wants a super fight or anybody else wants to compete in other sports, you shoot them down just because they aren't holding the title. I think it's good that those people who aren't fighting for a title want to do those things because they aren't in control of a division. We see divisions with multiple people with five-plus winning streaks. The welterweight division had, like, multiple people with six-plus wins at one point. I think it's still that case right now because of so many super fights. Remember when GSP came back and took the 185-pound title, and he said, I'm going to defend it. It's in the contract. I have to defend it. It's in the clause. He told us that so many times. Has he defended the 185-pound title? No, he hasn't. We've had three other champions right after him saying that they're going to defend it, and those are people who are actually defending it. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, how quickly we forget, how quickly people lie to us and we just dress it off as the truth, but when it's somebody who we don't like or have implicit or explicit bias against, we somehow remember everything and say, well, this person isn't active. Well, you're wrong about that, but the person who you forgot is completely inactive. So what the fuck are we talking about here, guys? We even got people saying, wow, we want to see Weili Zhang fight Valentina Shevchenko. Last time I checked, she has her first title defense in a matter of weeks. Also, check out my promo that I put out for that. It is dope. Anyway, shameless plug. Why? Why? She still has to get through one of the best 155 pounders ever. She's the 115 GOAT. I don't care what anybody says. Joanna Andrzejczyk has defended that belt five times. Five times. Oh, but yeah, just give, give Whaley her super fight, even though she, has to def she hasn't defended the title. Are you people... How do you allow this? Once again... Be consistent. Either everybody gets these super fights and everybody gets the box Floyd Mayweather or nobody's doing it. Nobody. And stop with allowing our superstars to go into other sports and humiliate th themselves. We are discrediting the hard work and the skill set that we actually possess. How about you make them come to our sport? You want to know why they don't want to do that? Because they're smart enough to realize just how it's going to go for them. Boxing and other combat sports fans are a lot more evolved than us because our sport is a lot new and we have a lot of people who don't understand the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation is we aren't solely focused on boxing. We aren't solely focused on acting. So when we transition into these other sports, we are at a sizable disadvantage in every facet you could possibly imagine. That's why they aren't coming over here. Clarissa Shields says she wants to come into MMA. Amanda told her straight up, good, I'm going to wrestle the shit out of her. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Clarissa is going to look like an absolute fool. An absolute fool if she comes over here. Same as if we try and go over there. Stipe Miocic, if you go over there and you get to box any of those heavyweight boxers, I hope it's as vicious as we can possibly imagine. I hope you get absolutely demolished for 12 straight rounds and everybody realizes we're done with this. We're not throwing our hats in the boxing anymore because I don't want to ruin my career for the next 10, 15 years. Because it's you don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. The sport doesn't deserve it. Because that's what it's going to take for you guys to realize the reality of the situation. And it's that we're not better boxers than professional boxers. You guys hate Paulie Malignaggi. I'm not the biggest fan of him. But he's correct when he says MMA fans aren't the most domesticated people. It's true. We think our we think so much of our athletes. We think so. We think these people are superheroes. We see Shogun back in Pride 20 years ago. And we think, man, what if he dedicated his entire career to boxing? How great would he be? How great would Vanderlei be? How great would they all? They probably wouldn't be as good as we are. Floyd Mayweather was merciful with Conor McGregor. That's the whole reason why he made it that far. Do you think Floyd could not have finished that fight sooner? You guys are crazy. And I'm fine. You know what? Let Stipe go over there. Let him get his bell rung. And then you guys will finally understand that we need to just stay in our lanes. Cut it out. Stop it. I'm done.
Kairos, as usual, you know what I love about him? There was a time when I used to write for a publication called Touch Magazine. And when I was there, I met um, the editor who I was really, really close and quite good friends with. And one of the things he used to impress upon me was, look, if you're going to make a statement, whether it be written, whether it be audio, whether it be in video through direction or production or editing, give people something to talk about. Have an emotive angle and stick to it. Have an opinion that you aren't afraid to back. And that's what I love about Kairos. There is no way, shape or form that he backs down because he believes what he says and says what he believes, which is incredible. I mean, what what, what are the main takeaways from um, this week's Kairos Corner for you? <laughs> Um, I would like to rename his corner as in call it the Bible because I was over here like, yes, pastor. Yes, Lord. Yes, <laughs> Lord. That that amen. It's in the Bible. You know what I mean? Mm. I had, you know, I turned into a black Southern Baptist mm. whenever he speaks and, and we agree. Um, pastor Kairos, I agree with you 100 percent. I've just had about enough of these fighters winning all these stupid belts and not defending them. And I agree with Kairos. I keep the same damn energy. I don't care if you're Conor McGregor and mm. I like you or if you're Henry Cejudo and I can't freaking stand you. Defend the belt that you have, clear out the division first, and then jump around and get a belt. And I agree with Kairos 100%. I don't want to hear about no Welly Zhang fighting Valentina until she clears out the division. We don't even know much about Zhang. We know she's a beast. She beat up Andrade, but now it is her, her time to prove that mm -hmm. she can remain a defending champion. There's no time for her to go chase a belt. And I wish other fighters and champions felt the same way. And I'm going to make a point right now for everyone to hear. Yeah. We cannot always blame the champions, okay? We must blame the organization because it is a bigger problem than just the fighters chasing belts if dana white and them paid them enough money trust me these guys would be gunning to defend their belts and to be the king of their divisions if it was not so enticing to collect other belts and get paid money you understand it's a it's a much bigger problem than just an obnoxious champion like henry cejudo they're not being paid enough so they're chasing goals that are just utterly irritating to fans dana pay the fighters please now please. Mike, Mike, what do you think? Now, puts bass in voice, lowers voice, and brings microphone closer. <laughs> pause. Pregnant pause. Pause okay. for effect. The way that I look at it is this. Look, you actually touched upon it earlier, which I was surprised at because it kind of bolsters my point, and that is, look, the UFC... The one saving grace, forget about fighter pay, they don't always get things right, but what they do get right is that they give the fans what they want. They give us championship matchups that we demand. They give us what they the do. fans are clamoring mm -hmm. for. Now, whether that means holding up the division, so be it. But I'd rather see, you know, um, someone like Conor McGregor try and clinch a, a three belt championship um, moniker than, you know, the stale matchups, which, you know, are done for the purists. I'm not a purist. I like to think of myself as somebody who likes to be entertained. And that's where the UFC hit the nail on the head. They are an entertainment company. No way, shape or form can you say that they are a purist sports art form. And we have to keep remembering that the $4.5 billion 
dollars that was actually spent on this company needs to be recouped and it needs to be recouped very, very <laughs> fast. How you do that is by selling out arenas, putting bums on seats and creating pay-per-view spectacles that are undeniable. You need that in your life. You need the effect where every single time you have a championship matchup, which the fans have clamoured for, they are getting what they've demanded and they will pay for what they are due. Now, I, I hear where Kairos is coming from. I hear the pastor. You're right. He is a pastor because he has a rhythmic way in which um, he speaks, which is pastoral. He has the, 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 the rudiments of um, you know any um, church Baptist, but what he doesn't have is my agreement on this one. Oh God! Oh my God! Fire burn you! <laughs> Fire burn, Michael. Let me just let me just say this real quick. With this entertainment aspect and entertainment fan mm -hmm. that you speak of, mm -hmm. there will be consequences to y'all's need for entertainment and worrying about the UFC's business with this debt, okay? okay? Pretty soon, the integrity of this sport will be questioned. We're going to look stupid when people who lose fights are now fighting for the title, and it's going to get worse. We will have more racially charged fight promoting. I'm telling you, if we open the doors to nonsense that me and Karis are complaining about it will only get worse and i need you to keep the same energy when people start um weaponizing politics and doing all types of things for your entertaining benefit ass okay so keep that energy when something you don't like pops up because of this i'm just saying it just opens the door for an unprofessional environment and i'm already seeing a little bit of it and it's making a purist <clears throat> like me very upset and also just because peter yan versus henry cejudo won't sell doesn't mean it's not going to be like a good fight mm. or that it it's just not going to sell like it was conor mcgregor but those fights still matter and i understand that i'm a purist but it's like some of us want to know who's the best in their division yeah and, and not only that, when fighters get to bounce around and chase after belts, they have to also get the, the fight fans behind it. Mm -hmm, like, for instance, mm -hmm. Stipe chasing Tyson Fury. I don't know why some of these fighters just think because they're champ that people are interested in seeing them in these money fights. We don't. You're not Conor McGregor. I just wish the right fighters sometimes would know when to clamor for these fights. Henry Cejudo and Stipe are not Conor McGregor, so a lot of people don't want to see them in these super fights, too. So we got to take that into consideration. Like, not everybody can be Conor McGregor and fight a Floyd Mayweather. Some of you all don't have the talent, and then some of you don't have the gift to gather the popularity to do so, but yet the fans, we got to deal with, you know, Francis Ngannou making, you know, memes about fighting Tyson Fury. Hello, who said we want to see that? <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 can everybody calm down? And I, I complete. Here's another reason why I agree with Kairos. Masvidal, someone who's not a champion but popular, mm. is kind of chasing these fights. I agree with that. That's the person to do it. He's not holding up shit if he doesn't fight for the title right away. But when you're a champion and you do it, you affect so many facets of the sport. And I think that's what Carol's is trying to bring to, you know, your attention, Mike. But I understand thirst traps like you and people yeah. that want the entertainment business. <laughs> Don't agree. I called you a thirst trap. But <laughs> you know if what I mean? Trips, I'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to sneak it in there, but no, I understand the, as the entertainment aspect as well. But y'all are going to start complaining like us when they go too far with it is what we're saying. We're just like hone it in a little bit before it gets too, too awful. Yeah, but and, hold and on. I'm going to leave it at that. Hold on. In terms of what they have done, they've merely given us what we've been asking for. 
if we're not asking, they aren't providing. It's that simple. Plus, I hear where you're coming from in terms of, you know, the thin line which seems to be being eroded between politics yeah. and MMA. And it seems to be um, dividing the community. Well, yes. not, not only dividing the community, but it seems to be when it's okay for you, it's okay to have politics in uh, MMA. But That's when true. it's That's not true. okay for us, then we can't, you know, we can't entertain that. Now, I understand exactly what's at play here. You know, obviously, we're talking about recent events where, you know, Dana White was speaking on behalf of and in support of President Trump. Now, I can see exactly where he's coming from. Let's just put it this way. Look, we Mm -hmm. all know we have friends who aren't or isn't everyone's cup of tea. But you and I know that we will back that friend to the hilt because they have supported us in our deepest and darkest times. And why is it then that when we look at the relationship between Dana White and, um, you know, President Trump, he suddenly has to be excommunicated. He suddenly has to, you know, have his UFC pass revoked. He suddenly has to have and draw our ire because we don't agree with, you know, Trump's philosophy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a MAGA hat wearing person, but I can see where Dana White is coming from in terms of, you know, the platform that he's using um, to actually support a friend of his who actually supported him in his deepest, darkest time. And we are the beneficiaries of that support, whether we like it or not. I, I mean, I see your point, but it's just like I also see Dana trying to backpedal on his support on Trump, meaning like, oh, I stay out of politics. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm with you Supporting your friend, yeah, but supporting your friend at a political campaign mm. and speaking for him mm. as an influential person yep. yourself is supporting politics, yeah. is combining MMA with politics. And he's blatantly choosing a side to support, yeah. but also trying to hide behind the friendship. Which I don't think is correct. You support his policies, you support the platform, and you allow fighters to weaponize this platform when they support MAGA. So it looks um, hypocritical and also just way too beneficial for me now to be friends with the guy who's the president of the United States. You know, like, I'm not falling for it, you know. Dana White one minute can't say, oh, I don't get into the politics side of things. Yeah. And then support a politician. You just don't want to get caught up in, like, what policies you support or don't support. You don't want to go out there and say, hey, I'm okay with Mexican kids in cages. Like, you can tell he doesn't want to cross that line, but he doesn't mind being seen and supporting him. And I don't have respect for that. Either you respect the the whole entire MAGA platform or you don't. You can't pick and choose what's negative about it, not speak on it, but then jump on its bandwagon when it does something positive. Either you like the good about MAGA and the bad, and you support your friend. I'm not falling for it. You know something? I feel that this would be perfectly palatable if he had raised no objections when politics had actually crept into the UFC and um, fighters actually taking a stand and picking a side. Now, I'd understand that, but the fact is he's been pretty vocal about it. He's been very, very um, loud about it. And then to turn around and do that, it's slightly or smacks of hypocrisy. That's all. That that's my issue with it. And trust me, if like, if he came out prior to this as somebody who was just, a, a staunch Republican. Mm. He re, he resports Trump as his friend and as a Republican. And then Trump wins the presidency and he goes full forward. Mm-hmm. I would have respect for that because you're not playing both sides of the fence. 
You're just like, I respect, I respect and support his policies, and he's my friend. Here it seems like you're just trying to play both sides of the fence, and it just comes off as corny. And to, as a fan, I just get kind of annoyed when I want to talk about politics on my Twitter page or with my friends, and suddenly, oh, don't mix politics with MMA. Why not? The president, you know, the president of this company, the UFC, Dana White, is speaking at Republican conventions. If he can do that, as a fan, I can discuss MMA and politics and what I don't like about it, you know? Oh, 100%. And not only that, you don't even have to defer to what the UFC are doing. It's your personal Twitter page. It doesn't have that as a rider, as in, you know, all views are my own and not supported by my employer. This should be an unspoken um, rule and it should be an unspoken moniker. But facts are facts. No one is going to stop me from talking about politics, particularly right. where Boris Johnson is concerned on my Twitter page. The fact of the matter is this. Look, I see my Twitter page as I'm sure you see yours as my voice. This is my way of actually expressing how I feel about issues which really affect me and my circumference. And that is people within um, or, and, that, and that I care about. So the way that I look at it is no one um, should be given any time of day or any mileage or any um, platform to actually, you know, give you any backlash, considering that we're all using this platform to actually voice our personal opinions, political oh, or yeah, otherwise. But, yeah, but a lot of folks don't know exactly what you just said. I don't know how many times maybe you haven't experienced this, but that I have, even from close friends. Oh, Gina, don't discuss politics and MMA. No, I'm going to discuss MMA and politics. One, because of what you just said, Mike, this is my damn page. And secondly, our president, the president, Dana White, he involves politics with MMA. So the doors are wide open for any of us to discuss it. So that like, you know, um, comment when when you're discussing MMA online, that is just going to be flushed down the toilet now because of Dana's hypocrisy. If the president is having the, you know, He's friends with Dana White. He's coming to the UFC fights. And now fighters are weaponizing his very own platform with MAGA nonsense. Then we all can talk about it. Yeah. It's going out the window. Yeah. Yep. Oh, 100%. Speaking yep. of UFC, though, UFC Auckland took place on Saturday. Now, headed by Hooker versus Felder. And they kept that energy mm. in the cage. I mean, well, I have to say, Hooker kept that energy in the cage. He wasn't touching gloves. But even you know what? Even before we get to the main event for me um the yeah. only other talking points don't get me wrong there were many but again for brevity and the fact is you know we don't really want to have this dragging on too long this show but right. for brevity i'm going to talk about um which i think you can feel and what you can sense coming <laughs> you know gee you've made a really good turnaround considering that you know you that you were flatlined by cashuera on saturday shayla dobson i have to admit um Surprised was floored. Me. Sur- surprised <laughs> me by how quickly she was floored. I, I personally feel, I hope, you know, um, I need to re-watch it just to make sure i got the right perspective here. I personally feel that very quick um, descent into a dogfight was a mistake. Because, you know, at some point she got clipped and clipped royally to an extent where, you know, that follow-up, um, you know, flatlined her. And, oh, yeah. Huh? And I feel that Cachoeira, given that this was her last chance at actually, you know, redeeming her career, there was no way she was going to 
go out there without a fight. But, you know, I'm glad to see that you've made a quick turnaround. I'm glad to see, you know, there are no <laughs> lasting injuries. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Even before we, 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 we even, you know, expand upon this, are you telling me now in the cold light of day, looking at Shayna Dobson, <laughs> at the weigh you didn't see yourself there? Because I can see now why I thought that, you know, there was a, a resemblance. She even had the same hairstyle as you. I thought I was looking at G up there. Because that's because you lost your goddamn mind. <laughs> we, <laughs> we do not look alike, but I play along. I think we have the same complexion and a similar haircut. Other than that, I do not look like that lady. <laughs> I was not knocked out in the fastest weight um, history in women's MMA. What? It was a 40-second knockout that broke a record. Yeah. Can you believe it? What, 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 and let me what, what killed me ahead. when speaking of what, can you believe it was the amount of people saying to me on Twitter, is that really her? <laughs> <laughs> you should see my mentions. I we could have had a me, um, a segment on my mentions. I could have read at least ten <laughs> tweets of people like, "Gee, you went down hard, but you're gonna come back harder." And I'm wow. like, "Y'all, I cannot stand y'all." But I was in tears. <laughs> but lo and behold, I I don't know if you know this, but last episode I called this. Mm. I was like, I know this um, Cachoeira lady gets gets lumped up. Yeah. But in the process of getting beat up, she is learning. Yeah. She has fought Valentina Shevchenko. She's her technique is horrible, but she is getting better. And when you are about to lose your job, you come out there and you kill a bitch, and that is what <laughs> happened. The game plan was I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna kill this bitch because if I kill her, yeah. then I won't lose my job. And that's what we saw. Mm. That. Did you mm. see her cry afterwards? Yes. She knew that pink slip was coming. Mm. Yeah, so she came out there and she delivered a flaw, a flawless knockout. And it was the fastest strawweight knockout in UFC women's history. 40 seconds. That's what you do when your back is against the wall. Remember, we always say this. Those types of fighters are dangerous. And unfortunately, she caught my ass and she knocked me out in 40 seconds, bro. Wow. Crazy. You'll be back. You'll be back. Yeah, and hats off to her. Um, you know, like her back was against the wall. She gets to stay one more day. And mm. now Shayna, I don't know about her. Maybe she gets the pink slip. Do you so think we'll, so? We'll see. I don't know. I don't. All jokes aside, I'm going to remove myself from Shayna Dobson. I don't. I haven't been too impressed by her in her last couple of fights. Oh, you know, okay. Whether she has an issue with her cardio or whether she's getting knocked out. I, I could see them sending her back to the regional mark circuit, but I could be wrong. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Were there any other standouts for you before we get to the main event? I mean, um, yes, Hooker Felder, we're, we're going to get on to and speak about. But were there any other standouts that you wanted to kind of highlight? You know where I live, Michael. I live in the trenches. Mm. The trenches that are called the prelims. Indeed. They had f- four knockouts, three first-round knockouts. And then we had that, you know... Um, record-breaking knockout in 40 seconds. That's the place to be. Always watch the damn prelims. Mm. Um, Loma versus Angela Hill was fantastic. It was a barn burner, but what I saw was that Angela Hill is the better mixed martial artist, okay? She took her down to the ground, and even when Loma took her to the ground, she threw up triangle submissions and arm locks. It was beautiful, and her herky-jerky in-and-out movement was too much for the TIE fighter, and Angela Hill got that majority decision. There were some knockouts on there that were kind of breathtaking. You saw your man that just fought um, Lerone Murphy. To go How do you say his name? Tagogov. Yeah. You saw him with that leaping left hook knocking out Kevin Aguilar, Impressive. who is a former LFA right champion. Mm. Let's not forget, this is a former champion mm. in the first round. Say his name again for me again. Tugogov. 
to wow he he comes in with a leaping left hook and then finishes up with even more hooks in the first round it was a beautiful knockout Jalen Turner knocked out Josh Kalibo in the second round he really needed that I'm telling you Mike and everybody listening watch the prelims there's some good 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 scraps that's all I got to say about that (laughs) so Huka Felder um I've got to admit like I say I like the fact that you know, Hooker kept that same energy, considering that, you know, this was a beef made two years ago. He kept <laughs> that same energy all that time. And, you know, I, I, I love it. I have to say, I, I fit and live with the moniker always making trouble to the death. Hooker not wanting to touch gloves for me. I'm a big fan of this style of, you know, um, confrontation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're not there to, mm-hmm. to, to barn dance. This ain't, you know. I'm not your friend. Exactly. I I've got to admit though you know there were flashes of greatness from Felder you know the spinning elbows and the spinning back kicks in the earlier opening rounds you know was Mm -hmm. really impressive now I like the fact that he was really quite attentive to his corner I mean they they basically said to him look mate you need to sort out your work rate it needs to be a lot higher and his his corner you know Duke Rufus really knows how to kind of uh, you know grab his attention saying you know do this for your daughter you know talking about his daughter and that really did um, get his attention and um, I can't really fault the decision in all honesty well yeah it was was close but for me the whole takedown in the fifth is what sealed the deal for Hooker to be honest with you but you know don't get me wrong. Um, you know, Felder Great was Felt yeah. Felder was was a dangerous live dog in there at all times. And um, you know, I thought there was a there was a well, I thought there was a farewell um, speech already lined up because when he started to take off his gloves, I thought, ah, oh, here we go. Those yeah, are going to be landing in the middle of the of the octagon. But I really enjoyed the fight. I love the fact that you know these were two game fighters, and I love the fact that you know who could kept that same energy all that time yeah yeah I'm, I mean I'm with you on this I scored it for Hooker as well but there can be an argument can be made for Felder it's called a close fight you know like it, it, it it's no robbery here and the scores are all over the place everyone on MMA Twitter from the judges have the this 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 fight contested differently in all three rounds Mm -hmm. and I scored rounds one two and three for Dan Hooker and I thought Paul Felder turned it up in the later rounds that's right yeah and yeah yeah because exactly because what I saw was Hooker using beautiful distance management and keeping Paul Felder on the outside but while doing that he was scoring with low calf kicks coming over the top with a straight right Mm. and landing with a beautiful quick jab. But then when Paul Felder would try to fight his fight, which was, you know, close range, he couldn't touch him. He had trouble fighting him in close range, which is what he likes to do. But then he started to figure him out. And Hooker's um, ability to keep the um, range management going started to dwindle a bit. And while that's dwindling, Paul Felder's figuring him out. And now he's landing some low calf kicks, heavy shots, you know, and now he's controlling the fight a bit more on the inside. And mm. now you see Hooker, because he can't keep up that pace of keeping him on the outside, now he has to resort to a takedown or two or outpowering him with underhooks and in the clinch. It was a beautiful fight. And this is what happens when a number six and a number seven evenly matched fighters fight each other. They're, they're, they're evenly matched. So you're going to see a razor close fight like this. But I do think Hooker did more 
on home territory to beat Felder. I do. I stand by that. But I, you can make an argument for Paul. And it did break my heart to see him lose in that speech that he gave afterwards. And I did like that Dan Hooker called out Justin Gaethje. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I Hell like it. A As fight. a fan, I like it. As a fan, I like it. Now, I understand why Justin Gaethje doesn't want to come down the rankings and fight him but as a fan i think that would be perfect for dan hooker and it would be fun for us to watch but we'll have to see if justin gaethje will will take him on there so far i haven't seen anything in the blogs in in regards to a response so perhaps he's mulling over it or he's just ignoring it but we shall see i'll be very surprised if that actually does happen because i think that um well Gaethje does seem to be a more tactical in his approach to fights now. He's not really yeah. into the firefighting aspect of them. And he's obviously looking to better his career. So coming down yeah. in the rankings, I really don't think will do anything for him. Yes, um, Gaethje of old, that would be just the fight that he'd sign up for. Yeah. I think that, you know, you'd get a response that same night. But 2.0 Gaethje ain't going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but you, you just never know. Because the way that the UFC seems to be ignoring him and how Connor doesn't even really pay him no mind, you just never know if he goes back down to get some more attention, to get a win under his belt, or does he still hold fast and demand for fights you know, amongst his elites and also possibly a title shot. So we shall see how Justin plays this out. But it's nice to know that is an option and that fans and Dan Hilker are down to see it. And Dan Hooker's hot right now. So mm-hmm. you, you never know. You ne- we've seen crazier. We've seen we've seen crazier, Mike. So Exactly. We shall see. Yeah. Well, just before we wrap up the rest of this episode, are there any listener questions? Yes, absolutely. I've got them ready here for us. And I'm, I like these listener questions. because We're going to focus on a fight that we barely spoke about, but it mattered. Okay. And Man of, Man of Mayhem and a few other people have said to me, hate to ask, but what happens to my girl Carolina now? Does she retire to start a family as planned? Does she change promotions? Does she get cut in the UFC? What happens to her now, Mike? And you know what I'm talking about. Um, we did watch Carolina Koakevich lose badly to yeah. Jan. Um, I'm not even. I'm just going to call her Jan. I'm not going to even go for that last name. But we did see her get demolished, yeah. and demolished by someone that's on a fight five fight win streak. Yeah. But she's still someone on the come up, almost like a prospect. So to me, that shows that Carolina is not even on gatekeeper status. She also lost to Alexa Grasso. These are two young ladies on the come up, and she lost to them. And Carolina loses to the top of her division and we saw what we saw last <clears throat> night Mike what do you think happens next Yan Shinan um, she put on an amazing performance I think she broke Kavalkiewicz very very Ooh. early I mean literally broke her that good left hook in the first 30 seconds had her struggling to deal with her eye basically that kind of like messed up her depth perce- um, perception yeah. I've never seen this in a fight before or I've never seen it that often where a fighter will try and adjust their own depth perception by putting their hand in front of their eye because they are clearly struggling. I know, it struggling. broke my heart. Mm. Yeah. Now, it, it broke it, my heart, but she did not quit. It, it kind of she, she insisted they go forward. Well, that, 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 that I think was to her detriment because 122 strikes is Ooh. what I looked up in terms of the strikes landed by uh, Yan Shinan. Yeah. And uh, Karina Kavalkiewicz uh, only landed, I think it was around about 45. Now, that is an incredible oh, strike rate um, differential. Yes. 
plus, um, I was kind of like surprised by, you know, albeit that I was uh, waving the banner and uh, shouting, you know, um, Yan on, I was quite surprised that nothing was actually said by the ref by the illegal kicks um, whilst they're on the ground in the closing seconds of the final round. I know, you know, it was in the dying embers of the fight, but those were clearly illegal kicks while she was on the ground. I saw that too. Yeah, they were. But I just think... I thought it was only me. I was like, is no one else watching this? I saw it. It was so quick. I didn't even have time to tweet about it. And then there was, it was just such a beating that I moved on. You know, after the illegal kicks, what she do? Like toss her around. Yeah. There were just so, it was just such a beating that we didn't even have time to harp on that or anything else. And again, I'd like to stress to you and the listeners that, you know, um, Yan is like Alexa Grasso. She's on the come up. Yes, a five fight win streak as of now. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this proves to me that KK. Is, is not even a gatekeeper. And nah. she loses to the top of her division. She's lost to Joanna. She's lost to Claudia Gadella. She's lost to Jessica Andrade. And now she's losing to people where, you know, if she beat them, she would at least be called a gatekeeper. She can't even do that. And I'm not shitting on her because I love her so much as a, as a fan. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's time for us to consider not her retiring or going to another promotion. She needs to switch camps. I think she's been figured out. I think she needs to revamp from the head coach to her striking coach to her wrestling coach. I think she just needs to revamp everybody that's that's you know training her and get a whole new camp and try to revamp herself because she's been figured out. I think these fighters are watching tape on her. She's slowing down, and mm-hmm. they can figure her out, and it's like rinse, wash, repeat, beat her every time. And I think that's what we're seeing here. She needs a whole new camp. To, to answer, you know, the, the question, I'd be very surprised if she is kept around, but I would be very surprised if she's kept waiting in terms of a new home for her if she is released, because I can see her fitting in quite nicely with something like KSW or even, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I would say like something like Road FC, something yeah. basically that will enable her to build herself back up. But um, I would be very surprised if she is kept around, If is, is my got feeling about this yeah i i actually don't think they cut her i think they give her one more because she's such a fan favorite mm. and, give her and who, she did uh, i don't know it'd have to be someone way down on the totem pole like there she's, you, she's, you know what i mean like it would have to be somebody <laughs> i can't even think of that right now but it cannot be anybody that has the momentum of an alexa Grasso or or yan or someone in the top five it's just there gotta be go. somebody towards the bottom mm. Or what you said, if she does get the pink slip, she's got to go to more of like a regional type of circuit. And and I just think she just needs to revamp her whole training system. As of right now, she's been figured out. But um, you ready for the next one? Okay. Okay, the next one is going to be from me, myself, and I. I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Um, have you heard um, Israel Sana's latest comments to Yo Romero about um, taking him down like the 9-11 Towers? And if so, what are your thoughts about him using that tragedy to promote the fight? Did he actually say that? Because Ooh. I saw the meme and uh, there have been a few of these memes. I think the last one I saw, uh, again, it was from a troll account and it, it was um, subtitled. Um, I think it was Jan Blakovic's um, uh, fight. And, uh, you know, it was subtitled with, you know, the N-word all over it. And I thought... Oh, that was from a racist troll account on MMA Twitter. That was fake. But well, that, what I... 
Yeah, mm. go ahead. No, no, no. You, 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 uh, you knowledge me then. You fill me in because I thought that the um, quote I'd read, I'd not actually seen it in a, in any um, media outlet of note. But what I'd actually read was um, those words on a picture or um, underneath um, a picture of um, of um, Adesanya. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's been confirmed, because I don't want to give that racist account any shine. But yeah. what I will confirm is that I myself watched the two, UFC 248 press conference between Yo Romero and um, Israel Adesanya. Yo mm. could not make it to the press conference, so they had him on the teleprompter and a huge screen. Okay. And while they're going back, and I mind you, I repeat, I saw this and listened to this with my own eyes at okay. home. So, it's, so it's, the comments are confirmed. Izzy says to Is um, to Yo Romero, "You're going down. Something like even harder than the 9/11 towers. You're oh, going wow. down." And I remember being like, e- "Oh my God, that was horrible!" Mm. And it stung even more for me because why? I'm American. It's going to sting for more for me. And I'm from New York, so yeah. me me personally, Gina didn't like it. And but I see a lot of people making excuses for him, and then nah. I see some people like, "Well, if you had a if you had a problem with that, you can't laugh at the coronavirus memes." What do you think about self promoting with tragedies? I struggle with it because a lot of people lost their lives in that. And my whole thing is this: I I, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I subscribe to the um, Scarface rule of thumb, and that is no women, no children. A lot of women lost their lives in there. A lot of children mm-hmm. um, lost their lives in 9-11. Yes. Now, the way that I look at it is that's distasteful. I mean, regardless of whether, you know, it is the whole, um, or it is the whole um, Scarface rule of thumb, you know, thousands right. of people lost their lives full stop. So no, let, let's not bring tragedy into it because I, I wasn't too impressed by the whole coronavirus um, meme that, yeah, um, that uh, Joanna was actually circulating either so no i'm not a fan and uh, yeah i do find it distasteful i i agree with you mike and once again i'm gonna kind of throw the ufc under the bus here pay the fighters so that we don't have to use racially charged um weaponizing of politics that way we also don't have to hear fighters thinking that it's cool to talk about the 9-11 towers or a virus that is also killing women and children in China. You know, let's not forget that people are dying. And I don't think that death at any type of tragedy, whether it's American, Chinese or anywhere in the globe, should be mentioned in pre-fight promotion. And I think a lot of the fighters are doing it because they think that's going to sell seats and it causes controversy. Mm. If, the, if the UFC would just pay them, they could just focus on just kind of bad-mouthing their opponent and defending their titles and not having to resort to such offensive and ridiculous tactics to sell fights because all it does is divide fans and piss us off and trigger people. And then it's war online. It makes us hate the fighter. It makes us like the fighter. It shows us who's a bigot and who's not and who's anti-Muslim, who, who's this, who's that, and MAGA this. And it's just getting tiresome. So I just really wish that either pay the fighters or the fight or have a code of conduct so that fighters know I can't say sh- no shit like that. It's getting out of hand, my personal opinion. Now I hear I hear you on that. As I say, you know we we aren't a, a million miles. If anything, we 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 totally agreed on this one. 
Mm-hmm. Any yeah, more for any more? Too Sorry. much. Yeah. Let's um let's sneak one more in. Um, this one about the boxing match. Let's uh, Maximus, who finally changed his social security name to Pete underscore Nochio one. Much Yay. better, Max. <laughs> Thank you. Um, given the fact Delante Wilder was beaten so easily by clearly the superior boxer, mm. do you believe he should rest? get a tune-up fight, or exercise his rematch clause and get the trilogy fight ASAP. What are his options, Mike? What do you think he, um, Dante uh, Wilder should do next? I think we touched on this earlier. I, I mm-hmm. think he will exercise his right to actually get that rematch because there's the rematch clause. But as well as that, just from a monetary point of view, um, he'll want to do it because this has been one of the biggest paydays, his biggest payday to date. Now think about a trilogy and all of the funds that that will attract. But the third, I suppose, the key and most uh, important aspect of it, every single platform involved in this that had a monetary stake will want to maximise their profits because... This obviously was a very, very good earner in terms of the pay-per-view dollars that it generated as well. Imagine the pay-per-view dollars that a trilogy will actually bring. So um, I definitely see this being the next move. I don't see there being any rest or respite. I think that, you know, we are looking at Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 3. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. Now, my question, who do you think wins the trilogy? It's a difficult one to to, to say after uh, or to, to call, H- having seen the emphatic fashion in which you know Tyson um, brought about you know Deontay's demise. It's clear that you know Tyson isn't just about points. It's clear that he has got KO power, and it's kind of like evident that you know, we should be taking him a lot more seriously. Forget the songs. Forget dressing up as Batman. <laughs> this guy is a wrecking machine. Fight. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I would be very, very surprised if we don't see a fired up and a more reinvigorated um, Tyson Fury the next time round. So, you know, if you would put gun to head, I would say I would put my money on Tyson Fury. Yeah, I would. I would, too. And I'm just going to keep this short because I don't want us to run too long on time. Mm. But I do think that um, Delante Wilder, as a competitor, will want that rematch. You know what I mean? I think fighters honestly believe they are better than their opponents and that they're the best in the world. And if he doesn't vie for this rematch, what does that say about him? He should want a rematch. He thinks he's the best. Exactly. Go for it. Exactly. I and think he'll do it as a competitor and he's going to get paid. Yes. So, yes, he will probably vie for that rematch, and as he should. Now, do I want to see it right away? Not really. I could see something else, but I'm down to watch. You know, it's all good. No, definitely. Like I say, the key thing for me here is that Deontay Wilder feels as though he's been robbed of going out on his shield. Let the man go out on his shield. Again, let's run it back. Yeah, I love the dude. He's grown on me, so (laughs) run it back. Well... That about wraps up this episode of The World Cost. As usual, you can join us via Twitter to talk about any of the points which we have discussed on this episode. You can find me at MikeWoTV on Twitter and you can find G at... The G-Spot MMA. Boom. Until next time, make some trouble. Always.